everybody, and welcome to Money Lab Live. We're doing it here. It is May 5th, Cinco de Mayo here in America. I don't know if they celebrate it in any other country. It might be just America. Anyway, welcome to the show. My name is Matt Givanisi. Welcome. Money Lab Live is the show. Today, I have a very, very special guest on somebody I've known for, uh, I'm going to say, 10 years. I think it's been 10 years, yeah. and I want to welcome... Omar Zen home to the show. Omar, welcome. It's awesome to be here, Matt. Uh, uh, yeah, it's been 10 years. I can't believe how time flies. Yeah, and it is uh, where you are in the world. It is pretty early. Yeah, it's not Cinco de Mayo right now. It's actually uh, 6th of May. It's uh, I'm in the future. I'm in uh, Sydney, Australia. You're in, and is that like, what time is it there right now? Is it like 3? It's 4.02 a.m. 4.02, wow. That is uh that's commitment, my friend. Thank you for doing this. Well, you know, before I went to bed, I thought, you know, when I wake up, I'll get to see Matt's beautiful face. That was all the motivation I needed. Here it is. Here it is. Um, so <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about, uh, I mean, in this episode, I, I think I titled it, and who knows, the title may change, but I titled it, Should You Start a SaaS Business? And... You know, when I first met you, I guess back in, I, th I think I wrote 2011, I think is when uh, I joined Fizzle and we both met in Fizzle and mm -hmm. you had started, I guess it was Business Republic, right? That was like the first yeah. website. And then yeah. you went to the $100 MBA, right? Which was like a um, an educational platform for, you know, teaching people how to, you know, uh, run an online business, essentially. Exactly. And then parlay that into the $100 MBA show, which I think is like one of the most successful podcasts in the online business. And so I kind of just wanted to get, you know, you know, what is your, what was your progression? Like, I know I got the first half right, but then how did you go from, you know, the $100 MBA show and having that be a thing to Webinar Ninja, which is your SaaS company? Right. That's my sure. question. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, it actually, actually all happened by accident. Um, I was in a period of my life between 2012 to 2014 where I was just trying a whole bunch of stuff. I was just experimenting, seeing what sticks, seeing what works. Uh, I was like hungry for a win. I was hungry to, mm. to, to, to have some sort of success. Um, I actually launched Webinar Ninja. I pre-sold it, um, the um, the beta version of it, to our founding members in April of 2014, and the podcast on our MBA show uh, was launched August of 2014. They launched uh, at the same time. It like a few months apart, like you know, from April to August. So. Um, I didn't know the show was going to take off. I was hoping, you know, I had a failed podcast before that. So, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have anything that's uh, going to, you know, that gave me the confidence that, okay, that if I launch a show, then I'm going to be set and everything's going to be fine. Yeah. So I was just trying a bunch of things. Actually, you have other products that I tried. I had guides and books that, that failed and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, when the show took off, you know, webinar ninja was starting to get some traction and we had enough customers to kind of really care about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so they kind of grew together. Um, and either, neither of them, I could have let go because, um, you know, for a long period of time I was failing. I wasn't, 
you know, I didn't have big successes in business mm. and both of them were starting to be successful. And it's like, it's like, I guess it's the, the immigrant mentality, you know, my parents are immigrants from Egypt of like, you know, never waste food, never waste anything. Sure. So it's like, uh, I'm not going to let go of either one. And, you know, the show took off, uh, you know, months later and, and, and what Ninja was a slow growth, but it was enough for me to keep it going because I had customers to serve. What, but you, so you, what was your failed podcast before hundred dollar yeah. MBA show? So we had a podcast called people who know their shit. Can I, can I curse here? Sorry. Oh yeah. Know. That's yeah. right. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was an interview podcast, uh, with, uh, you know, great, uh, entrepreneurs that I knew, um, and networked with or got to know in conferences and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, you know, it was, it was okay. You know, um, on a good day, we like the best episode we had, I think with Gary Vaynerchuk had like 400 downloads. Um, but right. it wasn't really worth all the work. Um, and it really wasn't the success we we're looking for. So we kind of went back to the drawing board and came up with the hundred dollar MBA. And when you did the hundred dollar MBA, like that was a, that took off like in the first year, right? Cause you were doing, yeah. uh, like there were, they're all 10 minute sort of daily episodes and I'm right. surprised you kept it up. Cause I mean, I did a daily show roughly around the same mm -hmm. time and, uh, I'm surprised you were able to keep it up for as long as you did because I burned out within like the first year. <laughs> yeah. So the hundred MBA show is not so much work for me, like in terms of, I don't can perceive it as work because it's something that I have been doing all my life, which is teaching. I was mm. a teacher for 13 years. So kind of, I don't want to say it comes naturally because I wasn't a natural teacher when I started, but, um, it's my comfort zone. And it's also a chance for me to kind of escape for a moment and do something, uh, to share my wins, my losses, things mm -hmm. I lo learned along the way, my mistakes through lessons. Um, and, uh, it kind of gave me some, gives me some respite from, 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 from the software business. And you're still doing uh, that, right? Yeah. Daily yeah, business. That's... Yeah. Daily podcast five days a week. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we saw success pretty much instantly when we, when we launched the show, we were, you know, number one, on new noteworthy for weeks. And yeah, so I was still kind of not sure if this is going to last because of, you know, at the time New Noteworthy was working and, you know, and, you know, after eight weeks it drops and you're not on the New Noteworthy chart on, on Apple podcasts. Sure. Um, so, but, um, after, after New Noteworthy, we were still kind of rocking it. I think by December, so it's been like six months, we were doing 10,000 downloads an episode. And uh, at that point I was feeling confident that we're going to be okay. Yeah. Did you, did you like, were you making money from that show? Like, is that show, you know, continue to like, like and again, like you, it sounds like, and I didn't know this, mm. but you started them at the same, you started webinar ninja and hundred dollar NBA yeah. show at the same time. Right. Right. Okay. So like, yeah. what? so we were, we yeah. weren't making much money. Like the podcast, we had no sponsorship whatsoever uh for the first six months purposely we actually did not seek out sponsorships nor said yes to any that were incoming because i was just really concerned about making a great show like i really wanted to make sure the podcast was good the content was good you know we we're still trying to nail the all the different formats and and the tone and i was still trying to find my voice and you know i can't listen to the first 300 episodes sure it's cringeworthy you know but um 
yeah, I was just trying to figure out, you know, uh, how do I make this great? You know, that's right. really what I was worried about. Um, and then I think six months in, our first sponsor was 99designs. They really reached out oh, and yeah. wanted to cut a deal. Yeah. And, and um, that that's when we started to make some money. So I would, why, why start a, because you apparently, you know, you had $100, the $100 MBA was a teaching platform, right? Mm -hmm. It was a membership platform. Um, where, and then the hundred dollar MBA show was sort of like the marketing arm for that. Right. Right. So why also go into SAS? Yeah. So kind of like I said, you know, the, the hundred dollar MBA was not really making much money. Like we were, we had a good launch in December, 2013. Uh, but then it kind of teetered off towards, you know, February, March. Um, I was still doing like, um, freelance work, like building people's websites yeah. and things like that on the side to kind of pay the bills. Yeah. Um, I really couldn't, you know, dedicate uh, a full time effort and time because I wasn't making enough money, uh, to, to do that. So, mm. um, webinar ninja was just one of those things I tried to try to make money. I know a bit of PHP, HTML. I got a freelance, um, you know, developer to clean up my code and, uh, my designs were atrocious. I made them in Photoshop myself. Sure. I'm not a UI designer. Right. Um, but um, I actually literally sold Webinar Ninja, pre-sold it off a landing page of just mock-ups of my designs and the promise of the solution that I would provide. And th that that's probably the best thing I did in business period because... Was pre-selling. Uh, was pre-selling and just validating the idea and getting money from people before I real, you know, decided to go ahead and, and, and invest in this business. Um, and, and it showed how much pain people were in or how much they wanted a better solution for webinar software because mm -hmm. of, uh, just, I'm going to drop $250 as a deposit just on the promise of something better. Yeah. And then when, when you, uh, went into it, you learned, like, did you know how to code? prior to starting a video conferencing company, <laughs> like to me, well, which sounds like the most yeah. complex SaaS business you could possibly get into. Like, did you, what did you do? Like you, you bootstrapped it, right? I mean, you hired, yeah, a, you yeah. hired one person, but like one what? Person. So yeah. initially Webinar Ninja was a WordPress plugin. I knew my way around WordPress. I know PHP, I know HTML. I, mm -hmm. I know how to bit of JavaScript. And the video technology at the beginning was using or leveraging Google Hangouts back when you could do webinars through Google Hangouts. It was called Google Hangouts, now it's called Google Meet, but. Oh, um, right, right, right. So we we took advantage of that and said, hey, we're not gonna deal with the video stuff, but we're gonna deal with all the marketing stuff, the landing pages, the registration pages, the email notifications, you know, the chat, all that kind of stuff. We're gonna deal with the interface and then mm -hmm. the video technology. It's funny that you say that because I, I was chatting with uh, Matthew Kimberly and he was just like, I can't think of a more complex software right. company. And I was just like, you're totally right. But my ignorance at the time was just like, oh, you know, I can just slap on our interface into Google Hangouts. I do that anyway because I, I was using Google Hangouts to run webinars. I'm just going to make my life easier because it would take me two hours every single week to create all these landing pages and email notifications and integrations and all that kind of stuff and kind of Frankenstein it together. Um, yeah. So... We had that advantage in the beginning, and then we moved off um, WordPress uh, about, I would say, nine months into it. We 
we started to see that a lot of users, uh, their website, their, their webinars would crash because they are hosting the webinar on a shared host with a WordPress site. Right. So yeah, um, yeah, if you get like a hundred people to go on the, on the, on the webinar page at the same time, it's going to, you know, if it's a shared host, it's going to drop. Sure. And most people are going to pay for a dedicated, you know, uh, server. So, uh, we moved into a more typical SaaS business, uh, still on Google Hangouts. And then about, I would say a year and a half since launch, we moved off Google Hangouts and used our own streaming servers. When, like, at what point did you become profitable with Webinar Ninja? Like in the, I guess the first you pre-sold it. So you make enough mm -hmm. to validate the idea. And then nine months go by and you're like, well, this is obviously has legs because you decided to move off of WordPress. Mm -hmm. And so I guess you must have been profitable pretty early on. Yeah, we were pretty profitable early on. We were just profitable from day one, you know, with, with the pre-selling and all okay. that stuff. And that was because um, of the $100 MBA audience, right? That's who you were selling to. Yeah. So the $100 cool. MBA really helped because it gave me a voice. It gave me a platform. It gave mm -hmm. me a chance to talk about what I was doing and the, and the software and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and my audience would ride with me on the journey. So, uh, that, that definitely helped. Um, the software itself also has a viral nature to it because if you're attending a, a webinar as an attendee on a software, uh, you're going to be like, what's this? And mm -hmm. then, you know, we had a link in the footer, so that it was easier for people to kind of check out what we were. So the more our users used it, the more we had a chance to kind of um, have people switch over to us. Right. I mean, how important do you think it is that anybody who's in SaaS or thinking about going into SaaS start with building an audience first as opposed to just jumping right into SaaS? Because uh, even though... Like, I mean, I've started multiple SaaS companies with mm. a pre-existing audience and still sort of had trouble with, you know, getting, yeah. you know, getting the product off the ground. Uh, it's interesting because um, I had this conversation with Rob Rawling, um, founder of Drip, and okay, um, yeah. he runs the conference um, mini, uh, MicroConf. MicroConf, um, yeah, right. Yeah, and I, I was actually at the conference when I was talking about it with him, and you know, he, he was mentioned that you and a few other people are the only kind of software companies I know that started with an audience and then launched the product to the mm -hmm. audience. Um, so that's rare. Yeah, it's yeah. not. Most people who are starting a software have an idea or are engineers or are way they're just trying to manifest something in the world and then they'll figure out the audience later or they'll use a freemium model where they'll have like a free plan so they can use that as a customer acquisition, mm -hmm. you know, system. So, I mean, the audience definitely helps. At the end of the day, if your churn is high, it doesn't matter. Like, you're going to lose all these customers if people cancel. That's right. the nature of SaaS. The problem is, is that, like, people can, whether they cancel on trial or they're on a free plan and they don't convert uh, or they, or they, you know, uh, cancel during uh, the first month or two. So, uh, that's the nature of a membership kind of model is just that you kind of constantly have to earn their business. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the best pieces of advice I got when I started, I, I got on a Skype call with Noah Kagan yeah. from Sumo.com, and uh, he's launched so many, so many pieces of software. He just told me, like, listen, you know, this is not an online course. This is not a membership. There's no finish line. You know, you just, as soon as you launch a, a new feature that your customers have been dying for, then the moment you do it, they're going to be like, oh, that's great, but can you also give us this? Right. It's, it's like, almost like it starts all over again. 
Yeah. And in fact, it's actually better for you not to do that. You know, one of the most successful software companies out there is, is Basecamp. And Basecamp, they don't, they don't update their software with new features that often. I can't even remember. I've had Basecamp for three years. I can't even remember the last time they launched something. Can we, or at least can, we can we talk about them? Is that are we allowed to do that in today's after what they did? I don't know what they did. Oh, you don't know what they did? Uh, you're not, no, you're not, you're not hip to the new, uh, let's all hate Basecamp because they suck at company culture and are just a bunch really? of whiny out some word. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't, I don't, you know, I read a lot. Uh, I'll have to read yeah. up after this episode, but maybe I, I've been had my head down. For <laughs> are you, are, do you use Basecamp? I do. We use Basecamp. You know, it's funny because I, I always think to myself, like when that story came out and of course, like everybody's been following Basecamp for a long time. Uh, and like 37 signals in what they've done. And even in, I've mentioned them a bunch. Mm. I've never used their software in my life. I don't know anybody oh, wow. who does. You're the first person I know who uses Basecamp. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, how do these guys even have a company? I don't even, you know, know anybody that uses yeah, them. We but, use them. We use them. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, our whole business kind of runs on it. Um, yeah. But we also use other tools like Jira and things like that. So it's, we can't it, talk about it doesn't do either. everything. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, you, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, shoot. Yeah, they're running anymore. I mean, if you dig deep it's enough, sure like, you'll find something. It's almost like all these people are human. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, when like, w walk me through the uh, the money part. Um, mm -hmm. So you're you're profitable day one, right? Yeah. Because you have an existing audience and you pre-sold your product, which was built yeah. by you, and maybe one pretty other much. Okay. I, yeah, I, I would say after the first uh, nine months, I stopped coding. I started hiring okay. out. Yeah. yeah. And then like, were you, have you continued to be profitable the whole time or was, was there any point in which you were like kind of dipping into the like, we need funding sort of area? Yeah, I, I, in the last, so we've been, uh, Women has been around for seven years now. Mm -hmm. And I would say there were two moments uh, in the last seven years where we weren't profitable, um, month over month, um, we, you know, I had to dip into my own, uh, you know, savings and reinvest sure. in the business, um, uh, some tight times financially, uh, just because with software, it's hard to predict your, your costs because your biggest cost is really talent and technology. So like you're, you're hiring so you can build something amazing. And then that amazing thing takes longer than, it, than it's supposed to, because sure. obviously you're building for an ROI. So it's like, okay, I'm going to build this, this new update and it's going to take six months. No, it takes 18 months. And in the meantime, you just paid a year extra in salaries that you're hoping you to recoup on that release. Right. Uh, so and it sounds like SEO in a way, you know, it's like, it just yeah. takes a long time for, for you to see the, the benefits. Like you're not just going to invest in like a new hire and then that person's going to immediately turn around and like make 10 times their own salary, you know, within a day or a week even that yeah. like doesn't happen. I've seen the opposite though. I've seen the opposite, uh, both ways, meaning, um, where a hire, a bad hire can cost, like I had a bad hire that cost me $300,000. Um, wow. you know, yeah. So like, how does that, you, like, what do you mean by bad? Like, what is that? They like, what did they make bad decisions, make bad decisions. They make bad decisions. So they were like a management type of position. Yeah. They Not make, like a they worker make, who just like put a bug in your code or something. No, Cause that I mean, could that, do the same can, thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just bad decisions that cost you customers that cost you, you know, that, that turn you customers mm -hmm. that cost your reputation, that cost you bad mm -hmm. reviews. Um, those things take a lot of work, you know, like, you know, there's so many of these software review sites out there like Captera and G2 and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, 
anybody can say anything about you, you know? So you're like super, super, uh, careful about how you release all your products and all your features. And what you want to do is like, you're like trying to cultivate all your reviews as much as possible because one bad review can drop your score. And yeah, it's, it's really, it's a business too. Like these companies make a lot of money off, you know, uh, advertising and, uh, you know, sponsorships and all kind of stuff. So, right. And it, it, there's, so there's no, like, this is kind of where, um, to kind of get into more of the like emotional side of, of running a SaaS business. Like I felt it is hailing like crazy outside right now. Uh, hopefully we don't lose the internet, but yeah. So obviously like, and I'm, I don't know if you followed anything I've done, but like, yeah, I've done like a couple of SaaS businesses didn't really pan out. And I kept coming to this conclusion that, like, one, um, as a person that, like, does everything, right, and tries to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of have their hand in, in all of it, I found that with SaaS, I became a, like, I would put all of this work into a product, right? Like, I can put all this work into a course. I can put all this work into an ebook, And for the most part, I can put that product out on the market and like 95% of people are going to sit there and say like, this is a good product. I like this product, you know, and they'll keep continuing to buy it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you have the SaaS side of things where I found that you put out a thing, right? You put out this like product and mm-hmm. then it's, you become a professional apologizer and this is what happened with Lasso. This is what happened with yeah. Spruce where, you know, yes, it's a good product, but you're always apologizing for some feature that's not there, right? Some some feature that doesn't work in the minds of the user As or expected, is legitimately yeah. broken. And I just felt like no one is cause no one is ever happy with this product. Right. It's and it's not true. It's just that you never hear that side of it. Right. You only hear because that's what customer service is. You only hear the crap. But like at some university, I can tell you, like, sometimes I get emails more frequently than the other ones where people are just genuinely thankful that I actually put out something that was helpful as opposed to yeah. like wet lasso. It's just like, when is this coming out? When is this when it's going to be able to do this? Uh, I wish it did this. You know, and I go, you know, I'm sorry. It doesn't do that right now. We're still working on it. You know, it's like, you know, and maybe we're, maybe I'm lying and we're not working on it. I don't know. (laughs) So that's like, so how do you deal with like, and and what Noah said is like this never ending cycle of building to nothing, right? There's no end game. So Not that you want that you bring up a, snap, but yeah, you bring up a great point. Like this is this is like exactly what it's like. Yeah, this is exactly what it's like. One of the things I I'm I'm still learning, but I had had to continue to kind of learn quickly. Um, is you have to have a force field. Like you just basically have to separate your emotional self from your business. So that's you the thicker like skin feel- argument, right? Like. It's not even about thicker skin uh, because it's okay for you to feel like because you care about your work and you care about what you put out there and, yeah. and you don't want people to say bad things about you. But it's more like you have to see yourself, especially in SaaS, you have to see yourself as an investor. You have to see yourself as like this is a business that I'm investing time and money and resources. And I'm trying to bring in the right pieces and the uh, and the right talent and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, I can't, you know, like Warren Buffett doesn't get upset if somebody 
uh, makes fun of Coca-Cola. You know, like but it's not his company. A, yeah, it's true, but he's he's a big time investor in it. You know, like you know, uh, you know, I have a partner of a you know, Nicole's my 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 co-founder. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100 percent my business, so sure. like, uh, so it's good to think of it that way because, you know, the world is going to beat you down. Like, as soon, especially if you start getting some traction, you have some customers, you're going to see the worst of humanity. You're going to see people emailing and screaming and yelling and all the like turning into monsters like on their mm -hmm. public profile on Instagram and on their website. They're just like, you know, I'm going to help you get your life around life coach, rah, rah, rah. And then in your customer support portal, they're cursing out your agents off yeah. the most trivial thing. Like, you know, and it's just like, what happened to humanity? Zen Buddhism? You well, know, like, whatever, I, I, you know, I mean, I. I always used to say that working in retail, it's like you, you know, dealing yeah, with the, the quote unquote general public is, is very difficult to do. Um, but, you know, do you think that that is a I mean, I, I don't I don't know if I believe and I think that this I don't know if this is true, hmm. but like, I don't believe that every SaaS company goes through that. Like, I have a feeling that like a company like Podia, you know, are you familiar with Podia? Yeah, I know Podia. Yeah, yeah. Spencer. Like they don't get that. I, I don't. I, and again, I have no. I have no uh, inside knowledge. I guarantee they do. I guarantee they do. So like that's the thing I because thought they don't about. do everything. Well, that was the whole thing I thought about Lasso, which was like, are we only are we getting this because the product genuinely sucks? Like, is this just is this just like. Am I am I seeing all of this? And am I taking it? You know, because Andrew would always argue that I I just took everything personally, right? Mm. And I just my argument was how can I not? Like I it's it's, it's got my fucking yeah. face all over it. It's got my you know my yeah. seal of approval, right? But I'm not the I'm not the guy coding and literally making the product. If you want to talk shit about Swim University's video, which I mean you're my video course, like people have sure, mm. and I and I can honestly roll my eyes and go, all right, I guess you don't, I guess this was, you know, not, not enough for you. Like, who are you? Like, you know, yeah, clearly yeah. there's so many, I I have the ability to separate it because I have so many people who told me otherwise that I guess I developed that force field where I'm like, oh, this is a, this guy doesn't get it. Or this person doesn't get it, you know, or they just are in a bad mood or like, I can separate that those people because I personally put my stamp over every single video, over every single word, mm. the design, like everything is mine. And I've had people and I've seen enough people tell me it's great or good or helpful or whatever. And then have and then been able to see the the small amount of people and go like, yeah, you just don't. It's not for, it's not for you, man. Like, here, take your money yeah. back. I don't care. You know, with with software, though, and that extraction of somebody like, you know, because you and I weren't well, you're, you were. But in the in, now you're not coding. Right, you're not yeah. in every single piece of it, yeah. and it sounds like you're not even. You're only at the very top, right? You also now have managers underneath you who run certain mm -hmm. departments, and like, I fear that separation, personally. You know what I mean? That like that scares yeah. me because what you your your thought your your sentiment about like the the three hundred thousand dollar loss from a bad hire, yeah. like that's a branch that is that's like oh, that's a big thing to to like get wrong and it's like how how could you possibly know that you were going to get it wrong <laughs> you know so there's a couple of things you said right now that i want to talk about number okay. one you said 
does the product suck is it just that well it's definitely on the spectrum of suckiness like you know like it's on the sure. spectrum sure you know because it's still a work in progress you know it, it yeah. was you know a big point of it was just an mvp and then you started to get better and better um there's a big difference and i've done content as you know i still run a podcast mm -hmm. and i've done software it's a big difference when you run these two different kinds of products or companies mm -hmm. um and i felt the same way where it's just like everybody loves my show everybody loves my courses when i do a webinar people actually love the webinar itself uh and i get so much praise and i ask myself like you know why why am i feeling this way in terms of like you know the, the software if people not everybody's happy and I had to get honest with myself and I think I can't speak for you, but for me, yeah. I realized I just like people saying nice things about me. You know, it just strokes my ego and, and maybe I'm better at that. Maybe, maybe it's easier to be better at teaching and giving, uh, selling a course where if, hmm. uh, the worst thing that can happen is they don't take it, you know, like they, right. they, most people or are going to blame them. themselves. They yeah, just say, and people, they just say well, it that way. It's like, Oh, this just wasn't for me. Not like, you know, everything you do sucks. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like yeah. It, the onus is really on the student and mm -hmm. just traditionally, this is what we're used to. It's like, if, if you don't do the work, then you're just not going to see the results. Right. But with the software, it's, it's literally a software is built to solve a problem. It's, it's supposed to do something for you. And if it doesn't do that, then that's on you. And that's a lot of pressure. And the honest truth was at the time when I was evaluating this, it's just like, uh, it's, I don't want that pressure. It feels bad. But mm -hmm. the bottom line is, is that you're not like, this is what I found in, in software is that the, the advantages of software is that you're able to build something bigger than yourself, bigger than your brand, bigger than what you can do every day, because you're building a team and that team is going to be able to build something that you can never do on your own, um, which is really scary because you have to let go and you're going to take a risk where you can lose $300,000, you know, on a hire. Um, but, uh, at the end of the day, uh, if I wanted to sell webinar ninja, it'd be a whole lot easier and a whole lot more profitable than selling the podcast. Cause who's going to sell a podcast with the host no longer going to be evolved, you know, like, yeah, it's definitely an asset that I'm building. And that's why it goes back to the investment mentality. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to build this asset. Everything we do in the business is, has that kind of mentality. Like, let's build a procedure for that. Let's document that. Let's make sure that yeah. there is a system so that if I want to go on vacation or if one day I'm not around anymore, like, you know, there, there's something I can hand it over to. But the, the psychology of running a software company is definitely you feel this uh, obligation to constantly uh, solve problems and help people and it should yeah. be working all the time. But the reality is, is that that's not, that's not the reality. And this will, should encourage us all when we build software to keep things simple, to keep things like Notion, very simple software solves a specific problem. Um, it, even if I explain it to somebody, it doesn't even make sense. So basically yeah, it's it just like a yeah. repository. Yeah. yeah, but it works, you know, like it's just yeah, a just, simple yeah. software that solves a problem, you know? Uh, so that's something that we had to learn and we had to like cut out a bunch of features that people aren't using and you know what they call kill your darlings. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the reality is that nobody actually talks about the psychology and the pain you go through building a software company because there's so many people that are going to complain, they're going to yell, that they're going to blast you on Twitter. I got blasted by some psycho on Twitter that replied to like 60 of my 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 tweets. All oh, my tweets were yeah, just, just nuts. Like, 
you know, it's just like, what in the world? And it, nothing went wrong. The person was on trial and just never canceled and got charged. That's what happens when you put a credit card in. Yeah. You know, like, right. and they just, I, yeah. So just email support and we'll figure it out, you know, like, but um, people just sometimes they need to bark loud so they can get a result. Yeah. Um, and I and get that's that. just a tip of the iceberg, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like, so Bradbury Robinson says, I doubt there is any product or service in the world that doesn't have critics in one way or another. And maybe we just have to accept that there will be positive in, positives and negatives in everything that's done, you know? Yeah. And y yes, for sure. Right. But I'm, uh, you know, like, I feel you're right in the, in the sense of like a course, it's really interesting the onus is on the student, right? We yeah. don't grade teachers. No, right? We grade. If you students. fail a class, it's because you didn't you, do the. Work. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, and, and and you know, I think some teachers should be failed. You know, it's like that. You know, some teachers are okay. actually bad, right? I've but, seen some dud teachers in my life. Sure, and but I think like with teaching, it seems to be your. It seems to be mostly positive, right? Like you're you're, and so I feel like as somebody who is very sensitive. I'm a very sensitive boy. When I get criticized, I don't, I don't take, I don't like it. In fact, even at swim university and I shouldn't do this, but like if somebody complains, like I complain right back at them, you know, I'll mm. just, I'll, 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 I'll just, I'll just do it. Cause I, I I'm like you, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's bad. <laughs> that's bad practice. No, no, no. If you want to have some fun, yeah. uh, go to, uh, change your VPN to Australia and look at Google reviews of local businesses. Australians don't give an F man. They don't give wow. a, <laughs> you know, they'll just say it right back. Like they'll just give complain. it right back. They'll just a hair salon be like, oh, I can't believe you're, they'll complain about something and mm -hmm. the review will complain about something. And then, and then the owner will apply and be like, you know, on Eastern, something like, well, you're probably a sad person that's alone and we're having wow. a good time at Easter with mimosas, like jugular, like, you know, nice. Not even, I mean, maybe not we should even start like... doing that and calling out these, you know, like, yeah, hey, I, look, and Adrian says at the end of the day, you don't make everybody happy. You can't make everybody, you can't make yeah. everyone happy yeah. as long as you can live with that and just take the criticism and try to make a product better. You can't do perfect. There's no such thing. And I, yes, of course there is. But I feel like with SaaS, it is it is very much more kind of one way because you're right. It is a tool. You're making a tool. Like if I bought a shovel and it and and I went to stick it in the ground to actually shovel and the shovel broke in half, you would yeah. be livid. Like you would just be absolute. Like I'm like you had one job shovel. And yeah. you couldn't even perform that, which is, you know, so, <laughs> you know, and that is essentially what happens in SaaS too. Cause you're like, Hey, your, 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 your software does, the, you know, in their mind does this one yeah. thing. And when that fails, you, you didn't, you know, you have that one time where you can't do that job. And, you know, it's, I was, I was always arguing with Andrew about like, we need to like with Lasso and even with Spruce too, like we needed to do just one thing and we need to do one thing extremely well, like bulletproof, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that that is in the world of SaaS kind of, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think it's a little bit impossible because we're building off the backs of so many other companies that could fail also. Your first product, like WordPress yeah. is a fragile little, you know, little, little, little. monster. And 
it like it will bite you if you treat yeah. it wrong, right? And not only that, but like everybody's monster is different and everybody's, you know, is more volatile than the next. Anyways, goes down, you're down. Yeah, and it's like, and and God forbid, like somebody installs a plugin that you don't know about, or even on, you know, they're using a browser you never even heard of before, and you know, there's yeah. all of these variables that, and you're like, well, it's not, and like at a certain point, you're like, it's not us, you know, it's like, but but you, you can't you can't do that with customer yeah. service or anything like that. Like you have to just, I feel like I'm constantly bowing to the pressure, and and um, you mentioned you know, killing your dar darlings, I think the more, uh, and tell me again, you know, you're the expert here, but like feature creep is those like, that was the thing that I thought going into lasso. I'm like, I have this, I know what feature creep is. I am not going to bow down to every single request from every single customer support. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do any of that. I fucked that all yeah. up. I, I, you know, People were coming yeah. in and going like, it, Lasso doesn't do this. And I'm like, you know what? It should. Let me just go code that right now and just like go stick it in yeah. there like big, you know, real quick. And it's like, I didn't, you get caught that way. Yeah. One of the best ways that we have solved that as much as possible is we actually try to get as uh, objective as possible. So we actually have a scorecard to score if this is something that needs to be done and it, and it has a priority ranking. Mm -hmm. uh, we do it for bugs. We do it for features. So, like for example, uh, we have a scorecard for bugs because um, not every bug is worth fixing. So, like right. uh, there's four criteria, and each criteria has a point value. So, the first criteria is like uh, uh, impact. How many people are impacted by this? All users, all attendees, uh, other people, people on trial. Right. Each of these have a score, and the maximum score for this category is ten. And then the next one could be like frequency. How often does this happen? The next one could be like uh, financial impact. And the next one could be, is there a workaround? So mm -hmm. uh, based on the total score, it's like, okay. And we have five categories, blocker, which basically blocks what we call the critical path or happy path, which is um, the path that a user has to go through in order to do what the product says it does, like run a webinar, sure. or do that thing that you promise. The core, and if yeah. anything is blocking you along the way, that's a blocker. Um, and then we have, you know, high, medium, low, lowest, right? And then by having the scorecard and just answering these questions, no matter how, it, it takes the emotion out of it and it allows me to hand it over to somebody like a customer support agent or QA engineer or something like that so that I don't have to uh, make that decision. Somebody yeah. else can make it using that met metric. And that really helps a lot. Um, same thing with features, like, you know, how much impact is it really going to make you know at the, at the bottom line like it has to go back to business goals like what what is your business are you trying to get more users are you trying to make more money are you trying to be more profitable you know more revenue or more profitability all that kind of stuff so uh when making decisions sometimes it's like yeah that would be cool to have but it's not really going to move our business goals so yeah no um, um and that's not easy sometimes tough question do you regret getting into SaaS? I, I don't regret it uh, for one big reason. It's made me a better entrepreneur. It's what do you forced mean? me. I've learned so many things along the way. I've learned how to be a better leader, manager. I've learned how to, I, I learned to battle my own demons, battle my own emotional problems that I have. You know, Dan Martell says most business problems are just personal problems masked in your business. You or, know? Or, yeah, or scaled. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> or exposed, um, maybe. Yeah, I've learned yeah. that s s most of the decisions I make in business are based, most of us, are based on fears or emotions. Like sometimes we will not grow the business to a certain point because subconsciously we think it's going to be painful. It's going to be more work. It's going to it's going to be harder for us, more stress. So we kind of just stay in this area and we don't grow. And the problem with SaaS is that there's no such thing as Stacy's. You're either going to keep going up or you're going to plummet, you know, you just... Uh, or go down, die, die a slow death. Mm. So it, it made me stop and analyze and realize, okay, why do I feel this way? What's going on? Oh, probably because growth to me equals this amount of this work. Well, maybe if I can find somebody to do this work for me and I could just focus on the things I enjoy, then I can continue to grow. But that takes a long time to get out of your system because you're just so clouded with frustration and anger and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, it's made me a whole lot better when it comes to understanding, you know, how to get the best out of people. Um, you know, when we have to hire somebody new, uh, most people, I think, I personally think a lot of people over uh, emphasize skill and experience and not enough attitude and not enough, uh, just self-motivation. Um, because you could train anybody to do anything, you know. I had engineers that didn't know the programming language. We use Angular for the front mm. end, and th they didn't know Angular. Um, but fantastic attitude. Um, they picked it up on a couple to learn, months. right? Just like a yeah, yeah. Hard worker believes in the product, believes in our team. You know, and uh, I I wouldn't let go let go go, go this higher for the world. You know, because because mm. of that, but. Um, I didn't know that coming in because I made some bad hires. I was like, oh, this person's an expert. But unfortunately, they have social problems and they disappear for three days and you can't contact them. And, you know, like there's yeah. a lot of that in the, in the software world. Um, and it's just like, I don't want to deal with that stress. And it's mm -hmm. all because I was like, oh, highly sought after, recommended, high rate, you know, and um, that's stuff you learn on the job. I would never learn that if I ran a podcast with a bunch of EAs. Yeah, and I think too, um, thinking about it from your like, you know, yeah, I guess the company is an extension of you as a person. Yeah. And if you are not, you know, right, um, and you let those things sort of exacerbate over time, which is what you were seeing happen with Basecamp, right? I think it's, you know, you you will it will it will manifest itself into something ugly and mm -hmm. and most likely hurt your bottom line, right? Yeah. And so what did you, like, was there any, like, um, aggressive steps that you took during this process, like therapy or, like, mm. men do you have a mentor in this space? Yeah. Like, to go, you know what? It's really not about the company. It's really about me as the as the leader. Yeah. And how can I, you know, translate that to, to, prov to create a better company and, and culture? About two years ago, um, Nicole approached me and my, my business partner and wife. She said, I, I think if we want to scale this business, go to the next level, get beyond where we are right now, we need a coach. We need somebody who's been up the mountain a few times already. Um, and at the time, I was kind of against this. So I was I think like, like your uh, ego was kind of like, no, we got this. Like, we, you know, we're. 
A little bit of that. I would say about 30% of that, but mostly because I'm a big believer, like no one's going to know your business more than you. And what is a coach going to teach me? And I'm sick of, you know, I'm, I'm very much disgusted by the guru world and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You're preaching the choir, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but then, um, we, Dan Martell crossed our path. He came on the show. He was on a podcast, a guest teacher, um, I knew Dan through, I met him once at a conference. We had dinner together, um, knew a bit about his story. He was advisor to like intercom and Udemy mm. and, um, you know, bought and sold, you know, grew and sold a bunch of businesses. Uh, and he had something called SAS Academy, which was basically, uh, a high level group coaching mentorship in, in SAS. Um, Nicole convinced me that, Hey, we can learn a lot. It just just through his experiences through what he does uh it was expensive too it's two thousand dollars a month wow. not not yeah. cheap um uh, but it also gave me perspective that like man a lot of people shortchange their coaching and their in their courses they don't charge yeah. enough yeah. right um and uh so we we started to uh, be a part of sas academy and i learned a lot through dan i think um about who i have to become as a leader, uh, really, he the best thing he gave us was systems. It's like build the systems that work in big companies like like Intercom, like Udemy, like that will help streamline our business. Um, he's very much into like trying to stay lean and trying to um, you know uh, mm. be resourceful with what you have uh, and be smart about it. Um, and just also just uh, I'm good at the marketing. I know all that stuff from the internet marketing days and and business yeah. and online stuff. But he was very good at helping us, you know, build a strategy for customer success and how to make sure that uh, we are pricing a product right. And what do we do in terms of customer acquisition? Like he's just very good at the SaaS world. Yeah. So we really learned a lot. I learned a lot of the people that I, I met uh, in, in that he would do an event three times a year in person before COVID. So we'd go to these live events. We'd network and meet new people in the, in the space. I met some really good other software companies that were in SaaS Academy. So that helped a lot. Yeah. Um, but of course, the, you know, the, 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 at the end of the day, you need to make the decisions. You need to apply what you're learning. Um, and uh, that that's really what helped is that we took it seriously. And we just started applying all the strategies. You know, he would get on a call with us and say, okay, you know, watch these videos, apply these strategies. Um, and we'd start to see things change. And that's a good thing to have. You think somebody there just sort of as a someone to lean on instead of being the the, the only person at the top of the mountain. Yes and no. Like, okay. I'm a big believer that you have to be self motivated. If you yeah. need somebody to push you every day, then you're in the wrong game. Like, you don't need you a need... coach. Right? No, I need somebody to say, "Hey, listen, I've been where you were a few times, and I, I I've been where you want to go. Here's how to get there." And like perspective, going right? Because he's offering that. Yes. Like, here's how this person and this person and this person got through this exact problem that you're going through right now. Right, exactly. Yeah, which is great. That's um, in all businesses. And yeah, and, and and the thing is that you're I'm very busy, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't have time to constantly like surf YouTube or I just need something that just served to me on a platter like yeah. Um and and that brevity really helps me and one of the things Nicole and I have been working on is just being a little bit more social, try to meet more people, try to mm-hmm. you know, stay in touch with old friends as much as possible because it's easy just to get lost in your work and just make it your life. And it's really interesting too, like to think about it from what you just said about YouTube is like, uh, I don't have time 
to sit down and like watch a bunch of YouTube videos and learn from a like I'm just gonna Google a bunch of stuff and like kind of uh, put something together and then run with that. I found mm-hmm. this recently with you know working with Miles Beckler, uh, just kind of like personally, and just not not being a coach or anything, but just having somebody tell me directly like here is a strategy, put this to the test, you know, forget all yep. the other bullshit. Like I, we can, you can watch a million videos on a, in a million different ways to promote a SaaS company to promote anything, you know, and you can take all these different approach, Facebook ads, Google ads, you know, like mm-hmm. content marketing, video marketing, all these different things. And it's like, you know what? Um, I have success with this. Try this. And it's, right. and it's, and here is the literal blueprint. And it's not that that person's going to be correct but all the blinders are kind of turned off, right? You're not, you know, sort of coddling together all these different ideas and sort of building your own strategy, which is what I've done my whole life. And then it's like somebody comes along and just goes like, do this. And you just kind of stay in your lane and you get it done and you test it at the end. And it's like, does does this work or not? Are we going to push this forward or not? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And he, he actually gave us some strategies that worked for our life too. So like Mm. one of the things, very small thing, but like one of the things, often entrepreneurs will complain about is like, oh, I don't have time off. I'm not taking enough vacations. I'm, I'm burnt out. And that's because we put other things on our calendar. One of the things that he, he taught us is um, to basically fill your annual calendar uh, in advance. First thing you'd fill it up with is your vacations. So like you say, okay, how often mm-hmm. do you want to have vacation? Okay. Every, every two months I want to have a week off. Okay. Then put it in the calendar, block book it now. And then you say, okay, when do you want to do your meetings? When do you want to work out? When do you want to like, so it's basically you prioritize. If you say like exercise is important, then put it in the calendar. First. So that way you don't do something else. Yeah. Yeah. Instead. And that's huge because like, it's such a simple thing, but it's so important because it's just like, if you don't do that, then you're like, man, the last time we took a break was like nine months. Uh, and then you burn out and then you argue with your wife and like, it's just, it's just nuts yeah. for no reason. And it's because you didn't prioritize your break. Right. Um, can I ask about the future of Webinar Ninja? Mm. What do you, you know, I'm I'm assuming, well, maybe I'm, I'm assuming and I don't really know this. How has the pandemic hurt or helped your business? I'm assuming helped. Yeah, helped big time. We grew 300% in 2020. Wow. Um, and uh, a lot of it was people that are new to online business period, like, they have a karate studio and now they right. want to do their karate lessons online and they want a, a platform that's all in one. So they do you mostly attract martial arts because of the name? <laughs> no, okay. uh, yoga studios. We have, um, tax officers that teach tax courses. We have, uh, people obviously selling their, you know, e-commerce products as well as like, uh, you know, eBooks and mm-hmm. uh, online courses, things like that. Um, but we, COVID, we saw a big influx of people that used to do in-person events or in-person conferences or in-person classes and need to move online quickly. Um, and we kind of, uh, reap the benefits of the fact that we are kind of an all-in-one solution. So like they don't have to build a landing page that's built into the software. They don't have to worry about email notifications that's built into the software. Most people, uh, that started out with Zoom came to us because they realized, oh man, I got to pay for this, 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 and this, and then put it all together. You know, we we get a crowd that maybe doesn't want to deal with the tech. You and I would love to do that. We geek out on that stuff. Sure. But most people that are running 
you know, a mom and pop business or a small online business, they're not, they're not, they're looking for an easy way. And, um, yeah, that's, that's when we started to see people come over to us. That's Um, so that that's, that's the opposite of what I think would have happened. Right. I thought with the rise of zoom and its popularity and pop culture that everyone's that's their first place. Yeah. First. And that may be, that is their first place. And then they realize it's too difficult. And then they come to somebody yeah. like you because you're because I guess the difference with you is you have a whole registration platform like you're, it, yours is built for mm-hmm. business and theirs is built for kind of just meetings mostly and like not for educational or like it's not a product. Exactly. OK. Or it's not yeah, a part mm-hmm. of marketing. It's more of. Uh, yeah, there's like a whole business around it. Yeah. An ecosystem, mm-hmm. statistics, uh, libraries, so they put all their media, all that kind of stuff. So. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people first went to zoom because it was, you know, obviously they are, they have a free 40 minute plan and then they realize, okay, if I want to do my karate classes, how do I get them to register? How do I sell them on it? What if I want to charge? Oh shoot. They don't have yeah, a way to charge. It's, yeah. yeah. So then they start shopping around, um, and then they'll find us. Um, but you know, the cost of growth has its own challenges, you know, growing 300% will take a toll on your infrastructure, will take a toll on our your team, like because of the growth, our product goals, what we wanted to release got delayed, because we're like, okay, we have customers. To to do is, yeah, we have customers, we got to make sure we stay up, we want to make sure that the infrastructure is built, for, we want to make sure that, um, you know, that, uh, that, you know, when the funny thing is that when you get a, an influx of so many customers, you get new kinds of customers, you know, like we had customers that understood online business and understood webinars. And all of a sudden people didn't know how to plug in a camera, didn't know, um, you know, how to make an offer. They needed more coaching. They needed more tutorials. They needed more support. So all that kind of stuff took precedent. So um, we had to kind of change what we're doing. Um, Mm. And it's actually changed what we're going to do in the future now because the customers we have are different than the ones we had before. What is that? Like, what are you planning on? Uh, We are big, big um, believers that uh, more and more people are going to want to interact live versus recorded. Um, So uh, many of our customers uh, run live events and live webinars, but uh, what we're doing is we're offering more live courses as well. So you can run like a cohorted live course, uh, inside of webinar ninja. So that's something that we're moving into because a lot of people want to be able to have a community or a batch of students that come in. Mm-hmm. They, they learn together. It's all live. It's all interactive. Um, they want to be able to charge for it easily. Um, and they also want to be able to kind of track their progress and then the next cohort. Um, we all kind of do this with recorded courses, like open and close launches, but um, yeah. there's something about um, the accountability of running a live course. I've done three-day challenges, and the the completion rates and the success rates are through the roof uh, versus like a recorded course. Right. Um, so, I mean, you're, it, it, you've always been doing live, so that's nothing new, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but you think that more people are going to end up going towards that direction as opposed to record it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to say more, but I say more than more people are going to be moving to live. Um, you know, there, there are already people that have done this, you know, uh, for example, Seth Godin's uh, business school, uh, Alt MBA 
mm-hmm. is all live. And um, he does it on purpose because uh, he wants to see better completion rates. There's been a study on uh, the massive open online courses study where basically they learned that people that paid for a course, less than 15% complete the course. And if it's a free course, less than 5%. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really got started to get curious about this uh, when I had breakfast with um, Brian Harris uh, from uh, Video Fruit or previous, or yeah, Video Fruit. Now? Now yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, and he runs live courses. Uh, they're like standalone. I think they're like four sessions mm-hmm. uh, and he charges around $500 for this course. And he's got like a 99% completion rate and success rate. Like the amount of testimonials he gets uh, are incredible because he was running recorded courses and people were just not, he wasn't getting enough, um, you know, success stories. So mm. he started running live, uh, live, no replay, like just straight oh, up so you show have to, to the a, class. You have to attend. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine how more attentive you're going to be when you know this information is not going to be around. Right. That's true. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's a uh, scarce, like a real classroom. Yeah, 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 like a, yeah, like a real classroom. Um, so before we go, um, I have one more question, but I want to do a Q and A real quick. So if anybody out there is watching, has any questions for Omar? I know there's one kind of hanging here because um, we kind of t- talked more about you know sort of the emotional side of running SaaS and not really teaching anybody uh, any sort of how tos. <laughs> you know, like yeah. here's how to start a SaaS business because it's it's hard. You know, like, yeah. Um, and, and getting into something like that, I think what scares me the most about it is, you know, getting into something that I'm not good at, you know, like I, mm. I thought I'm, you know, I'm good at marketing. I can get, I can work my way around code. Um, what I'm yeah. not good at is, is interacting with, um, developers and, um, you know, and, and, and having that thick skin, it's just, I just, it, I, you know, and I also don't want a large company. Like I, I it mm. took me many years. I mean, like back in the day, I wanted, you know, big, 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 big company. You know, I know talking to Andrew, like that's what he wants with his SaaS company. And I think most people, I shouldn't say, I'm not going to generalize, but like I know a lot of SaaS companies, like they're it's built. You want to scale, right? Yeah. Um, you know, with me, I'm like we kind of want to stay really, really small and just like maximize the profits and not necessarily like I, I, for me, there's a lot of stress that comes with having all of these people, you know, to, to, to manage. And and that's, that's, you know, I could handle like a handful of people. It scares me if any more than that though. Yeah. But what you mentioned about, you know, saying I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. Um, I felt the same way. Um, well, yeah. And one of the things one of the things that really helped, uh, interesting enough, is a few years ago I told you that I picked up snowboarding. Right. So like doing things outside of work, out of business, that I'm not good at. I've never snowboarded before. Yeah. It's hard. The first time I learned to snowboard, I fell on my ass for two days straight. I wanted to quit. I wanted to go back to skiing, which I know how to ski. Um, and but I would just see people go down the mountain. It looks so much fun as they're like you know carbon down, and I just forced myself. I said, listen. I'm going to learn how to do this, right? Mm-hmm. I suck at this. I don't have the skills. I look ridiculous. I don't even know if like I'm ever going to get better at this, but I'm going to see this as a metaphor. I'm going to see this as like, I'm yeah. going to conquer this and teach myself that I can be, be horrible at something and then I can get better and I can be decent. At least I can survive. Right. Um, and I just went 
you know, every, every season I would go a few times. I, you know, I invested in a board. I started to just go more and more and more and more. It took me longer than expected. Um, probably sure. took me like nine trips before I can confidently say I can snowboard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it took me and that really a years, big yeah. lesson. A huge lesson just made me feel like, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I'm just telling myself a story. You know, a lot of us, we just tell ourselves stories in our head because it's safer just to say, I'm not good at this. That's not my right. thing and move on rather than say, well, you couldn't walk before. Now you can walk as a human being. And, and, and giving yourself the time and the space yeah. to learn that too. Like I, yes, I, um, but you have to balance that with what you want. And I love the fact, you know, what you want, like, you right. know, and that I, you don't want a large business. You don't want something that you want to be as profitable as possible. And well, I, I had to learn that, that, right? Like I, I had yeah. to do these things. I had to fail at them to know yeah. ultimately at the end of the day, like I always used to consider it a cop out, right? When somebody would mm. get into a business and they would fail at it and they go, you know what? I just want a lifestyle business. Enough is enough. And mm. I'm like, cop out like you know they're like they just they just failed too many times and they don't want to get burned well here's the truth any anybody who builds a business and then exits they go into a lifestyle business because they're, they're, they're <laughs> right. tired yeah or, they're or a lot of them yeah a lot of them exit and then just go right back into it again because they're like i have nothing to do with my life i thought i wanted to retire and then i realized i don't want that was i think it was josh pickford who did that yeah, he's, just yeah like, he's doing a whole crazy I was like, what are you doing, dude? Take six I, months off or something. I know he's just building like a bigger company. I'm like, no, I would have, I would have taken that money to the grave. Like just <laughs> like, just coast it. But you, you know, like you have to have some purpose. You have to do something, you know, like, yes, and I think yes. like, if that's your hobby, that's, that's your hobby, for, <laughs> you know, that's like a, yeah. you took up snowboarding. I have home brewing. Like we have other things to take up our time, yeah, you know, like, exactly. and I do think that that is important too. I, I get some indoor plants. Those will keep you busy. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, a lot of <laughs> indoor plants. Yeah. I, I, I personally, um, credit home brewing as like a reason for like slowing down and not burning mm -hmm. out because at, there was like, I took off weekends because I'm like, I want to go do that thing which is not yeah. tied to money. Well, now it's tied to money because everything has to be fucking tied to money for me. But like, you know, like I, I, I wanted to go do that thing and I wanted to just be good at it. And I didn't want it like, and you know, even with having brew cabin and stuff, I don't really kind of, I don't mix them too much. Like I go and mm -hmm. brew and I don't bring my camera and I don't bring my pat. You know, I just brew. No one's in the room, you know, and I, I just get it. it done. But it, yeah, it, I think it like, it certainly slowed me down. And then, um, you know, owning a house slowed me down because I'm like, you know what? I kind of just want to hang outside, <laughs> you know, and I never really had that. I always lived in an apartment or, you know, where I didn't yeah. want to be somewhere else. I kind of just wanted to be in my little cubby hole, my little hobbit hole where I where I, you know, get validation through uh, tweets and, and, and nice comments. So, yeah. Um, but Omar, thank you so much for doing this, man. Thank you for getting up uh, way, way too no. early. Loved it. Loved, or or loved never sleeping. Time. I don't know which one it is today, but no, no, I went to bed for sure. You went to bed. And woke up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, my last question before, you know, I, cause there's only one other one here, but like, sure. how was moving? How did, did moving affect question. your business at all? Uh, not really. Okay. Um, uh, setting up a business in Australia is quite easy. Um, everything's centralized here. Like it's, one central office in the government. And so that was really easy. Um, hmm. 
I, so, you know, I, I lived in Dubai for 10 years yeah. and, um, so I'm actually quite comfortable being an expat. Like I like, I like the challenge. I like being in new culture, new country, new place. Um, it took me, a, as I get older, it's takes me longer or it takes, it's harder for me to make friends. Um, yeah, just because, and yeah. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. Every, I feel like it's everyone. Yeah. Yeah, but I've I've I picked up you know I you know I picked up but I play basketball so I play basketball on the weekends and made mm -hmm. friends through basketball made friends through snowboarding, um, and that's that's helped a lot and through obviously co-working spaces here and startup hubs and all that kind of stuff so that's been great. Um, uh, I really enjoy the lifestyle in in Australia. It's a very like the people around you have a really good work life balance like like. I could meet somebody three, four times and I don't know what they do for a living. That's it's good. not a question. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, they don't, you know, people don't ask you like, oh, what do you do? Like, it's just kind of getting to know each other and, and just chewing the shit and having a good time. And, and that's kind of, you realize, wow, that's really what humanity and life is about is just uh, laughing and having, uh, you know, a fun time with somebody. Mm -hmm. um, so I really enjoyed that aspect of living here. Um, and I also just feel like uh, uh, when when you change your environment, it kind of gives you a reset button. It gives you a chance to kind of be like, okay, this is another chapter in my life. Yeah, too. Yeah, perspective and a chance for you to say, okay, this is a chance for me to say, this is the new chapter of this part of my life, and this is uh, where you can form new habits. You know, I get up at five in the morning now, and I <laughs> exercise every day, so that gives me a, yeah. an excuse. So, yeah, I've loved it. It's been it's been great. Cool. Um, so TJ Rose has a question, which is, I have a SaaS product and thinking about listing it on AppSumo. Mm. Would you recommend something like that? Do you recommend, um, how do you, how do you feel? I guess I'm going to add to that too, about discounting your SaaS product, because, uh, I've heard, I think it was Podia, like they offer one discount for everyone and they don't have mm -hmm. different discount rates because they just feel like everyone should get the same discount. Mm -hmm. So I feel like with uh, AppSumo, like you're kind of giving away, you're giving away your product for customers. Yeah, AppSumo is a totally different discount category you're because right. um, most most of the time they want a lifetime deal, um, mm -hmm. and you have to think about serving these customers for as long as you like what your costs are. So look at your costs is the most important thing, um, and mm -hmm. and see if you can afford you know this person for the next decade. Um, you know, on average is what they're going to, you know, their usage will be. Um, if the math works somehow, then go for it. Um, AppSumo will definitely give you a windfall of cash. You could see it as sort of like an investor um, okay. in terms of getting cash. You know, their audience is massive, over a million people, um, yeah. you know, uh, and uh, you'll definitely get exposure, uh, but you'll also get a lot of customers uh, that are super, duds. super, not duds, but they're super oh. needy. They buy mm. a lot of AppSumo products. They have high expectations. They're going to be flooding your inbox. Um, you know, most people that run, you know, AppSumo deals have like 200 new emails every day when they launch because there's so many questions or so many, whatever. Do you have the infrastructure to, when I say infrastructure, I mean like, do you have the team? Do you have yeah. the support ticketing system? Do you have a way to serve all these customers. So there's a, a lot of planning that takes place if you're going to do a massive kind of AppSumo deal. Um, if you, my, my. You've done it though, my, right? Back yes, in the I've day? done it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it was a cash grab and it was a good way for us to fund the business. Um, but I, I would recommend exhausting your efforts trying to sell the product outside of AppSumo first, because that's going to be your reality uh, after AppSumo. You're going to have to sell this product and get new customers, mm -hmm. uh, reoccurring customers every single month, uh, every single day uh, without any kind of blast. Um, so that's, that's where the audience comes in. That's where, you know, maybe partnering it's, you know, I, I would say a bridge before AppSumo would be like doing some sort of partnership or affiliate marketing partnership with somebody who has an audience that would be interested in your product. Um, you know, the Pat Flynn's of the world and things like that. Yeah. Um, because they'll get an affiliate commission, but it's not a lifetime deal. These right. people are going to continue to pay you every month. So I would exhaust all your efforts first. Uh, it's definitely an option there if you're looking uh, to kind of get a cash grab. And and um, but just remember, you have costs involved. It's not an easy um, pill to swallow. Yeah, it's not just like a windfall of greatness. It's just there's free, there's free. A back end. Yeah. yeah. There's there is yeah. there any sort of is there like one channel that works really like marketing channel that works really well for Webinar Ninja that you've discovered yeah, over totally. seven years? Yeah. <laughs> um. I would say the two most uh, popular, I would say three, three biggest based on our, our own traffic yep. is number one um, is content marketing. You know, we invested in content marketing big time since day one. Uh, some of the top uh, topics in webinars, we rank for number one, like best time for a webinar and how so to run a webinar, blogging, you know, like blogging, not, yeah, you know, cool. Connor who mm -hmm. runs our blog and, who you introduced us to? Yep. Um, you know he's he's been the voice of our company for over six years now, um, and it took a long time, a long time, and a slog and pruning and going through Brian Dean's course and figuring out what what works and what doesn't, and mm -hmm. removing the pot, the the the, um, the blog posts that don't generate traffic and all that kind of stuff. But uh, that is the number one traffic source. Is just. SEO people people okay. find our articles and and um, and do that. Uh, the second one is partnerships, like I mentioned, like like JVs doing webinars together, but also just getting on podcasts, uh, being uh, speaking at events. Now online events are very very popular, mm -hmm. so like speaking at summits and and, yeah. and things like that. Um, actually sponsoring those events it's actually is... quite good because. Mm -hmm. It's inexpensive compared to a real event. Like I've I've sponsored like in person events, and it's like twenty thirty thousand dollars to sponsor an event. Right. But you can you can sponsor an online event for a couple of grand and get an email blast out and right. get a you know you mentioned on before the keynote speech and all that kind of stuff. And it's really actually good ROI because hmm. I can spend a thousand bucks or two thousand bucks on Facebook ads and get you know a handful of leads. Sure. So especially now with 14.5 update iOS. Yeah. Um, so that's number two. And then number three is affiliates. Um, we have a pretty robust affiliate program. Um, the That's just the nature of the beast. People are uh, need to be incentivized. They need to be incentivized. People will uh, use your product. They'll write reviews or do videos. They'll do all kinds of stuff uh, to promote your product. So um, those are the three big ones. Cool. Well, um, Omar, thanks again for doing this, man. My pleasure, Matt. I mean, and it's great to see you and yeah. give my love to Steph. And, I will. Uh, and Andrew Nicole. Duke. I and... haven't spoken to Andrew in a long time. Yeah, I will. What, you, you have talked to Andrew? No, what did you say? I haven't talked to him since New York days, man. I hope yeah. he's doing well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a minute for me as well, but uh, I think like a month ago. 
think it was. Okay. But like even now, like I've just kind of been still COVID. <laughs> I'm still like <Yeah>. stuck. <laughs> Uh, just waiting for it to end, but uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, I'm sure things over there are a little bit better. Still. Yeah, we it's pretty much normal here now. Yeah, um, but we look, can't leave you, the country. There was like a little blip in the radar, right? There yeah, was like a yeah. yeah. I mean, we've had like two cases in the whole country, like in the last forty days or something. It's nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. But then they they really. They're super cautious. Like, yeah, and strict. They have yeah. lockdowns and stuff like that, just for like three cases or something like that. Yeah. So, so I send clips to my family in the states, and they they think it's a parody joke. or something. It's yeah. a joke. Or, yeah, it's not. But uh, no, they they're super strict. Cool. Well, uh, thank you for doing this again. And it's webinarninja.com, and you have the show, hundred dollar MBA. It's still yep. is it every day still? Every day, five days a week. Damn, ten minute episodes, ten minute lessons. Are right, how many ep- how many of those? Are you doing versus guests? Uh, we have a guest once every two weeks. So oh, that's it. so you're doing all of them still. Yeah, pretty much. How do you come? All right, no, I, I know. I'm like, yeah. how do you come up with the content? Easy. I have like a little uh, spreadsheet in my phone where anytime I somebody asks me a question or I or I have a problem that I had to solve yeah. or some sort of challenge that comes up or I see something interesting like man, this company really knows how to advertise. What what are they doing here? Like, that's yeah. interesting. And I, I'll put down that topic. Um, so I have like thousands of ideas in this spreadsheet, literally thousands. Mm. Um, and uh, that helps me organize things and, and to come up with content. And then you just do it. Are you doing everything yourself now? Or do you have like a team with that too? Oh, no. Yeah. So I, we have a team. So uh, Nicole's a producer. So she kind of organizes all the, you know, sponsorships and, mm. the, and the guests and all that kind of stuff. And then... Uh, Romina, who's our um, production assistant, she does a great job with putting everything together. Connor writes all the show notes and the copy. Carl does all the editing and the sound. So we we have a great team. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, we'll wrap up the show. Uh, Thank you again for joining me. And thank you, everybody out there, for joining me here at Money Lab Live. Uh, If you want, you can check out WebinarNinja.com if you're looking to get into uh, webinars. And if you're looking to educate yourself, 100 dollar mba show the 100 dollar mba show on apple itunes wherever you get your podcast out there you could also check out money lab uh what is it money lab pro <laughs> right at moneylab.co slash pro uh that's why we do the show here to promote that so thank you everybody for joining me and we'll see you next time bye bye